Jollyville Radio. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry, listeners. I had Caps Lock on. <clears throat> Hello. You're tuned in to Jollyville Radio here on Jollyville Radio KJVR. I'm sportscaster Carrie Gardner, broadcasting live from the Purple Street Studios in beautiful downtown Jollyville. Can you believe it, Jollyville? We are one week away from our one-year anniversary. We'll be taking some time off afterwards, but we have a couple more episodes to share with you first. Today, we present to you a segment called The Joy of Music Making, followed by an interview with the creator of Winking Cattails on Community Beat. After that, we'll be sharing a special deleted scene from Season 1. We'll be right back after these short messages. Radiant, radiant, glossy, glossy, flawless, flawless. Introducing the all-new line of luxury nail polish from the designer Robert Cheerful. Hello, this is Pat Haynes Ainsworth from Winking Cat Tales, and you're listening to Jollyville Radio on KJVR. Yay! (laughs) Why, hello there, and thank you for tuning in to the joy of music making on Jollyville Radio KJVR. Today we're going to be making an instrumental musical track, and I'm going to go slow so that you can follow along at home. Let's start by meeting our drum set. We're going to hear the kick drum, the hi-hat, and snare. And we're also going to hear the tom-toms and the cymbals. Why don't we start with quarter notes on the bass drum? And we can add eighth notes on the hi-hat and a crash cymbal on beat one. And of course, we're going to need a snare drum on two and four. Now, why don't we add some syncopation on the toms? Now why don't we change that pesky symbol and make it more interesting. (laughs) You like that? And now that we know how the drummer works, let's just really let him rip. Now we want to make sure that our song has a strong bottom, so we're going to put some bass guitar in there too. That's starting to sound pretty funky, my friends. Remember, there's no such thing as a wrong note. Just happy little accidentals.
now that we've had a little break, why don't we go back to where we started? Try changing it up a little. Jollyville Radio. You're listening to Jollyville Radio. That hot, gooey cheese. Listen to Jollyville. KJVR. I'm Amanda Keaton. Sportscaster Carrie Gardner. Peggy Bright. Just Anderson. Stubby Mike. Paul Fredrickson. Hey, Paul. I want to get small. Well, ski. Hello. Robert Cheerful. For Mayor of Jollyville. Julia Stonewash. Jollyville Radio. Julia KJVR. live from the Jollyville Radio Purple Street Studio. Overture, dim the lights. This is Jollyville Community Beat with Uncle Lassar turning the spotlight on good people doing great work in the real world. From the greater Seattle area, the Pacific Northwest, Patricia Haynes Ainsworth is our guest, writer, publisher, actor, director, and I just found out she used to tap dance. (laughs) Game Cat Books creating original plays and adaptations of fairy tales for young audiences.
Patricia Haynes Ainsworth, welcome to Community B. Thank you so much, Isar. Patricia, you wear a ton of hats at Winking Cat Books, and I guess we could say you're a real-life cat in a hat, or better, Pat in many hats. Oh, there you go. There you go. Many yeah. heads. Yeah. <laughs> we love bad puns here at Community Beat, and I do my best to keep them coming. Okay. Okay. You're as bad as my youngest daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in good company, right? You are in very good company. Yes. <laughs> Patricia, tell us about Winking Cat Books and the audience you create these incredible plays for. Well, um, I used to, I still do have a touring company uh, that our goal was, it's a nonprofit, to take live theater for kids to uh, rural areas where they don't get a chance to see live theater or maybe uh, areas that aren't economically uh, able to afford having a live theater company come in. I've been doing that for 20 some years. And uh, just this last two years, I decided to put some of the plays I've written for that touring company uh, and make them into a podcast, like a radio show. And so our goal is to take kids, and especially during the, the pandemic, who are stuck at home and not able to have fun, not go to not be able to go see shows, to really bring them in and entertain them and with music and fun stories. I like to focus on stories that maybe they haven't ever heard of before. You know, they're, they're popular stories, Hans Christian Andersen and, and popular writers, but they're not like Cinderella or they're not, you know, the little mermaid. There's other stories. I hate to see them go by the by because Disney didn't make a movie out of them, you know? So uh, we take tales from all over the world and we go into a studio, record them with our actors as a radio play, a musical radio play, and uh, put them out there. And right now, I guess we're being listened to in every continent except Antarctica. Wow, that's that's incredible. Now, you, you mentioned working with all these uh, actors and musicians, and uh, I know you work with a music composer and actually Michael Crosa, the creative Jolly Build is our musical composer. And he's oh, okay. I, I, know you, I know what you're going through there. Um, tell us about the collaboration process of creating and or uh, adapting these plays for young audiences. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it really is a collaborative process. I, I met a main guy I work with. I've worked with a couple other composers, but I really connected with the guy named Terry Alaric Levitt. Um, and uh, we met by accident, a mutual friend, and somebody else was composing music for me, but he didn't want to write score. And so uh, I said, well, I need somebody that can put it down in a score so somebody can play the show when we send it to Boston or, you know, wherever. And uh, he said, well, try Terry. He arranges my music for me. It turns out Terry is from the L.A. area and used to work for Disney and composing music for Disney. And uh, he's so adept at composing music for kids. That's interesting but yet uh, not so complicated that kids can't sing along, you know? And so I started working with him and the way we work is I write the book and I write the lyrics and then I send them to Terry. And sometimes I have a song in my head when I write the lyrics. So I get a meter, I get a rhythm and something like that, but I can't tell him what it is. 
And then I send it to Terry and I said, you know, I think this would be good as a waltz or I think this might be good as a calypso or something like that. And he's so versatile and he's so talented. He could just, oh, cool, you know, and he'll write something down and then he'll say, I added a word here. Can you write a couple more words here? This needs another line. And he'll send it back to me and then I'll change the lyrics. Maybe go back and forth a little bit. And then finally we come up with the song. So what do you what would you say if we sent Michael to you guys and you guys come over and work with us at Jolly Bill Radio? How, how would they work? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was when I have to move to Texas because I sure like it up here. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're gonna send him to Washington. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, Pat, you you've written over 30 plays and musicals for young audiences, and they've been produced by schools and professional theater companies across the US. And you all of that and you've put it into a podcast called winking uh winking cat tales right uh, it's a, a behind the scenes rundown if you will of of, of how that works and, and and what's going on there um well i, I like i said I, I wrote over the last 20 years that we've been touring uh because it all came out of necessity like a lot of things do we had to put all the actors all the costumes and all the equipment into my tourist station wagon when we would go to a, a gig, you know? And so because we were limited by cast and we were limited by the amount of stuff we could take along, I wound up writing the shows so I could customize them for what we needed. And so we had this library. We usually wrote two to three shows per year. And we coordinated with the different library systems in their summer reading programs. They would give us a theme like say, uh, oh, the theme for our summer reading program this year is heroes. Do you have any stories about heroes? And I'd go and I'd look at research, you know, existing stories and and uh, fables and things like that. And I came up with like Hercules and I wrote a show about Hercules. Uh, or they'd say, we need a STEM show. We need a show about mathematics. And so I wrote a show called The Day Zero Left Dodge about what happens when zero leaves town and you can't count past nine. So, you know, we set it in the old West and there was a, the bad guy is a crazy eight, you know, he's a twisted character. So anyway, um, so we take those and over the last 20 years, I've written 30 plays. Uh, and, that, yeah. That and, sounds in, in, incredible. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, but that that's fascinating. The day zero left town. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna have to find that one. That seems, uh, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. But, uh, so you you cater to schools, um, young audiences, places where young people go, and mm-hmm. you're saying that you know, you know we're working on math or whatever, and you you write a play for that. Is that your only inspiration, or what what else inspires you to write these these tales? Um, I love I love stories. I love storytelling. I've been an actor all my life too, so the idea of telling stories is, has always been fun for me. Um, and like I said, I, I like to look at stories from all around the world and see how each culture affects a story. Like, for example, uh, I wrote a version of Cinderella for it was commissioned by a local community theater or professional theater. And um, they wanted Cinderella. And I'd been in Into the Woods, actually. I played Jack of the Beanstalk's mom. And so I know the grim version of Cinderella. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, the sisters get their eyes gouged out. You know, it's not really a good thing. So um, I went and I looked and there was an earlier version written by a French writer named uh, 
Charles Perrault. And he was the one that actually wrote the first version of Cinderella earlier than the Grimm brothers. And then I looked a little further and I found a Chinese version called Ye Shen. That's pretty much the same story. And I find it fascinating that each culture has these sort of stories, the same theme, maybe the same characters, but they all add their own little little twist to it. Like Ye Shen has a golden slipper instead of a crystal slipper. And, you know, uh, it's a, it's not a fairy godmother. It's a talking fish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's always fun for me. And I, I really enjoy reading old fairy tales and stuff like that and piecing things together and then researching the um, cultural aspects of it. And we try and add little language things for the kids so that they get a, a feel for, oh, this is what they, how they say hello in Chinese, or this is say how they say please in Russian. And so they get a little feel for that too. Um, a lot of our audiences were um, Head Start centers too. So really young kids. It's a great thing. You're- you're bringing you're bringing young people together around a central theme that is pervasive across the earth amongst all cultures. It's the same story. Yeah, I like to look when I read a story. I like to really look at like, what are they saying? What's the main point of this story? Uh, maybe one's about friendship or one is about telling the truth or one is about, um, you know, being fair. And uh, and then you look at that theme and then you build the find the story that actually relates to that. And I ask myself, okay, how, why was this story told in this way to communicate that, that lesson? And then that's what I use as my goal, because I do change the stories a lot. I'm because we perform for very young kids, nobody's head gets chopped off. You know, (laughs) you have to be really careful. Um, So I do rewrite them a lot. Then we add the music, of course, which changes the story, but I do try and keep the core. What's the reaction uh, that you get from the children? Oh, awesome. I mean, that's what makes it all worth it. Uh, sometimes I'm performing in it, uh, but sometimes I'm I'm the road manager, you know. And so I get to stand either behind the curtain or I get to stand in the back of the audience after I introduce the show. And the kids are just a blast. Uh, there's one story we love to tell uh, where it, we were doing Puss in Boots. And this is, these are really little kids. These are four, three, four, five-year-olds. And uh, they're all sitting crisscross applesauce and watching the show. And um, it's the end of the story. And the main hero, the hero of the story is on his knee proposing to the princess. And will you, and the actor was hysterical. He was great. He was, he pretended to be flustered and he couldn't say, will you, um, will you, will you, will you, you know, and one little girl just stood up and say, say, will you marry me already? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we, we laughed. I mean, it's it's all part of the game. They like being involved. And so we were laughing. And the teacher came up to me afterwards. And she said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And I thought she was going to apologize. And I said, no, 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 it's fine. We love when the kids get excited like that, you know. She said, you don't understand. That little girl has not spoken a word since she started in school three months ago. I thought she was autistic, but she got so involved in the play. It was like this fantasy world for her that she actually spoke. She said, I was, I have to call her mom right away. She said, I was going to test her for being autistic. So, you know, it's just, it's so neat when you perform for kids there, there's such an accepting audience 
they they don't tolerate boredom in any way. Right. <laughs> they will tell you right away. You know, you'll sit back and yawn. You know, uh, my friend when we perform says it's like performing in front of an ocean because their bodies just undulate around. It can make you seasick. But when you ask them what happened, they know exactly what happened. They know every word. So it's really it's it's interesting. It's fun. It's challenging in an odd way. But uh, it's also very rewarding. Well, Patricia, I think that, um, you know, even during this interview, you've gotten you've touched the inner child in me. I'm like that little girl. It's like I'm <laughs> about the way that, I'm really about the connection of, you know, the different cultures. And then you, you put your own spin on it. I mean, that, that's incredible. I applaud, you know, all that you're doing. As a matter of fact, um, the people that you work with, these technicians, these artists that you collaborate with, you know, at Jollyville Radio, we're, we're proud of saying we, we work for free. Um, basically, yeah, we work for free. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of artists do, right? <laughs> right. So that's, that's the question. How do you support, how do you and the artists support yourselves? Is, is this um, more or less a labor of love or do you get donations or how does that work? Um, when, my theater company, the touring theater company is a nonprofit and we get grants from wonderful people. We get some grants from the state of Washington. We get some grants from private organizations. And so that's what supports that. We also charge the libraries who then in turn get grants to have us come in. So it's a nice little circle. Um, but part of what we do, part of what my business partner and I that had the theater company decided to do was produce as efficiently and as cost effectively as possible, which is why we transport in my car everywhere. Um, but we do pay our actors. I mean, uh, we are, I'm an actor. I know what it's like to be expected to, to work for nothing. And, uh, so because we love it, we work for nothing. I was like, no, we have to eat too. So um, we do pay our actors. And Wink and Cat uh, started, when I started recording it, obviously we have to pay our studio engineer and he's amazing. Um, he loves what we do. So he gives us a little bit of a break sometimes. <laughs> but uh, we do pay him and I pay my actors still. And that that is my my vanity project actually at this point uh, we've been doing it since 2019 and we do about one story about every six weeks to eight weeks um, partly because that's I pay off one and then we go on in and we do another one uh, part of it's an inheritance I got from my mom so I thought you know she if anything she'd want me to uh, put it towards something I've always wanted to do I think she'd be very happy uh, knowing uh, knowing uh, what you do, uh, mm -hmm. making young people happy and making old people like me happy too. Oh, if, yeah. you could, <laughs> if you could, after the show, give Michael Croson that same speech about, you know, paying your actors, I'd really... <laughs> <laughs> Patricia, um, if we want to find Winking Cat books and Winking Cat Tales on the internet, where would we look? Um, Winking Cat Tales, they're each an individual website. Um, Winking Cat Tales, it's just winkingcattails.com. It's spelled W-I-N-K-I-N-G, cat with a K-A-T-T-A-L-E-S.com. And because uh, Winking Cat with a C was already taken. Um, but, uh, and then Winking Cat Books 
is basically my website for some of the plays I've put I've published as as books, and that's where schools get them and things like that. And they uh, they can order them through Winking Cat Books, which is same Winking Cat with a K, B O O K S dot com. Patricia Haynes Ainsworth, thank you for joining us on Community Beat. It has been such a pleasure, and we wish you the best of the best. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you, sir. This has been Jollyville Community Beat with Uncle Lazar and dig this. No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. Peace. That was great. <laughs> Good. You <laughs> talk a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you did great. You're like Mother Goose. <laughs> <laughs> Full of stories, man. I'm ex- oh, God. Yeah, I got stories. <laughs> and now, a deleted scene from Season 1, Episode 114, titled Focus Group. Enjoy! Last season on the Brothers Burfield. If you're listening to this tape, it means I was murdered. Grandma Burfield, no! A story of deceit and sabotage. Brother, there was something wrong with the tomatoes. The new season brings a whole new series of twists and turns. I've left a series of clues about the whereabouts of my research. This just in. It seems that one of the Burfield brothers, heirs to the Malakoff bubble bath fortune, is in the hospital after allegedly ingesting questionable tomatoes. But amidst uncertainty, one brother makes a vow. I promise you, Grandma Burfield, I will discover the circumstances of your death. Watch. The Brothers Burfield on your local public broadcasting station every Thursday at 7, 8 central. Hello, everyone. Thank you for being a part of our focus group today. What you just watched was the trailer for season two of The Brothers Burfield. Why don't you go around the room, tell me your name and one feeling that describes your reaction. Kitty Westlake, intrigued. Anderson Millingsley, also intrigued. Helen. I'm confused. Josh Slowstone. Eh, bored. Kitty, you said you were intrigued. Could could you tell me more about that? The Brothers Burfield is my all-time favorite soap opera. Every Thursday, I sit down, make myself a mint julep, and watch. I've just been dying to know what happened to Grandma Burfield. So then you're interested in the mystery element? Well, I suppose I am. I don't trust the brother with a beard. He's up to something. Yeah, I think so too. Josh, you said you were bored. Tell me more about that. Well, nothing's gonna happen. Looks like one brother poisoned the other, but they didn't even get in a fight. Well, that's why you use poison, silly boy. So you don't have to fight. Wait, there was a fight? No, there was not a fight sequence. Definitely no fight sequence. Yeah, that's the problem. Well, I think the suspense made the perfect tension between those two brothers. Those guys were brothers? Also, the car should have exploded. Yeah, that was a pretty lame wreck. Why don't we discuss the scene with the tomatoes? Any initial thoughts? 
Oh, it had me in tears. Me too. Tears of boredom, more like. Quiet, you puppy. Pop down. Does somebody need a tissue? Well, that's okay to have different opinions. Oh, what do you What do you think would have made the scene better? Watermelons would have made for a more exciting splat. Were you even watching? Grandma Burfield has a tomato farm. She hasn't grown watermelons since Grandpa Burfield died. Ooh, tomato and watermelon are fantastic with a little bit of olive oil and balsamic. Ooh, that sounds lovely. If you all had to guess what happened to Grandma Burfield, what do you think it would be? Murder. I say murder. Yeah. Alien abduction. Bunions? Biden an explosion. Poison by the gardener. FBI shootout. Oh, that sounds interesting. Faked her own death. Hey, who ate all the snacks? Axe murderer. <sighs> that would be very off tone for this show. Wait, an axe murderer ate the snacks? Eaten by a lion. What? That just plum foolishness. Dissolved in acid, driven off a cliff, kidnapped by international drug traffickers for ransom. <laughs> okay, um, you do know that this is a public broadcast soap opera, right? Yeah, well, it doesn't have to be. When do we talk about Robert Cheerful? That's the next focus group. Okay, well, this has been very helpful and informative. Thank you all for your input on the Brothers Burfield. Episodes of Jollyville Radio were created by Uncle Asar Alcabala, Emily Ansonek, Michael Crosa, Michelle Darcy, Jamie Davis, Richard Dayries, Ryan Green, Pilar Cap, Robert Leary, Thomas Schlitt, J.B. Skurlock, Matt Waite, and K.Y. Wisdenty. Special thanks to Bob Don of Bob's Short Story Hour and Hidden Oaks Podcast, and Antonio Delgado of the band O Antonio and his imaginary friends. Direction and music by Michael the Maestro Crosa. With editing help by Richard Darius, Jamie Davis, and Dr. Monsi Santion. Social media help from Emily Ansonek. This recording was made in accordance with social distancing. Jollyville Radio is a product of Jollyville Brass Quintet, member of Austin Creative Alliance and the Pizza Rice Podcasting Collaborative. We are based in Austin, Texas. If you're enjoying Jollyville Radio, consider supporting us with a monthly pledge. You can get fun prizes depending on your donation level. Just go to patreon.com slash Jollyville Radio. You can also support Jollyville in other ways, like buying a sticker from our website, leaving a review or comment on your podcast platform of your choice, or by sharing Jollyville Radio with a friend. The credits were read by the writers of episodes 226 through 228. They are Uncle Asara Cabalon, Emily Ansnek, Michael Crosa, Bob Don, Brian Green, Pilar Kep, and KY's Denti. We'll see you next time on Jollyville Radio. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.